Hey, what's going on, everybody? Brendan Schaefer here with another episode of Be Shaped Daily. Excited to be with you here on a Friday. Although right now it feels like all the days are kind of the same. There is no such thing as a weekend when you only leave the house for groceries and to take a walk. It was nice weather yesterday, so we took a walk when my wife got home from her job, which doesn't take place at home. She works at a hospital, so she's got a lot going on right now. But I am at home doing what I do from the comfort of a desk in a nice little office here in the second bedroom we have in our apartment. And today I want to start the show off with a riddle, because what else do we have to do, right? We're going to keep it light. We're going to keep it fresh. Guy I follow on Twitter, he's a Cardinals fan, at CardHard11-11, Zach Talavest, put this on Twitter today, and I thought, why in the heck not? We'll open the podcast with it. I'm not going to give you the answer on the show, but you can DM me on Twitter if you want to talk about it further, and you can also look in the replies to the tweet because him and I discussed it, and it was frustrating me for a while until I got to the bottom of it, but here's how the riddle goes. Three men walk into a hotel. They decide to split a room three ways. The room costs $30. They each pay 10 $30, right? What kind of cheap, sleazy motel are they staying in? Well, pretend that it's, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. I don't know what hotels used to cost way back in the day, so we'll pretend this is an old riddle. They each pay $10. You with me so far? $30 room, three men, 10 each. The next morning, the hotel manager realizes that he overcharged them by $5. So, he sends up $5 in $1 bills up to the room with the bellhop who keeps $2 for himself and then gives each man $1 back. So, 10 minus 1 each is $9 paid. So, each man paid $9 for the room. 9 times 3 is 27 The bellhop has $2, and remember, they started by paying 30 So, where is the extra dollar? Once again, Bellhop gives each man a dollar back. Originally, they paid 10 each. Now they've paid 9 each. Each man paid $9 for the room. 9 times 3 is $27. The Bellhop only has 2. Where is the extra dollar? That's how we kick the show off today before we get into some delicious sports content. A nice little brain teaser for you all. Let me know on Twitter, at bshafer 12 what you think of this one. Zach posted this today. I thought that would be kind of fun. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. But now I'm going to try to talk some sports with you guys. There's some, I don't know, we can talk some some stuff from a baseball perspective because something that I wanted to kind of address that I haven't done so yet, from a Cardinals perspective, looking at, okay, this long layoff that baseball has right now, trying to get into the mindset of, and it's difficult to do because there's a lot that we don't know, but try to get into the mindset of how is this going to affect the team when play resumes And I think at this point, if you had to put my feet to the fire for a best guess on when play would resume, I think it'll probably be in June. I don't think they'll get regular season games in by late May. But I think sometime in May, maybe late May, is when you could start that little spring training revamp session 
of two, two and a half to three weeks, and then you could start playing games in June. That's that's my best guess. I would love to see them play games Memorial Day weekend, have that be like the opening weekend, because we've always said opening day for baseball needs to be a holiday. What if you just set it on a holiday, on a holiday weekend, kind of the unofficial kickoff to summer? I think that would be really cool. But they're, of course, constrained to the timeline that they have for when this coronavirus thing starts to ease up on us. And it hasn't eased up yet. It's only going to get worse from here before it gets better. And more states, I saw earlier today, Illinois has basically, or plans to later today, institute uh, shelter in place, I believe it's called, where you pretty much can only leave your house to go gas up your car, go on walks, go to the grocery store, the pharmacy. No businesses really are going to be open. There's not going to be any entertainment to go do. Um, from what I understand, that will still include that you could go to the grocery store, which is considered like an essential thing. It's nice here in Missouri. I, t- I joked about this on Twitter yesterday, and I don't know what kind of person it makes me, but like every time we're going to the grocery store or I, I make a trip, I'm like, oh, I need milk or whatever I need to get. You- you're compelled at this point in time to feel like you also need to buy some other stuff. And, you know, because the toilet paper thing is is the popular meme at this point in time but it's a real thing that people are stocking up on toilet paper because i i mean if one thing the coronavirus situation has shown that americans are very very fearful of the the concept or the idea that they'll have nothing to wipe with um but you know the first time when all this really was starting about a week ago at this time i went to the store and i had seen all the toilet paper pictures and videos online and i was going to walmart just to get some you know like some food or whatever and I was like, I'd feel like an idiot if I left without toilet paper. So I got a small pack. We didn't need it, but I was like, you know, I don't want to. It's like a, a rule that when you go to the checkout line, you got to have some toilet paper in your cart or they don't let you buy anything. I figured that was the case and I didn't want to stand out. So I bought some. But the other item that I'm saying, I don't know how what this means or what this says about me. But every time I go to the store, I'm like in the alcohol section looking at the beer and the wine. And I'm like, we've got stuff at home, but... If, if, in fact, this were to turn into a to a lockdown situation, you never know. And so I feel compelled to, like, buy another bottle of wine or some beer every time I go to the store. I haven't done it every time. Like, earlier today, I bought milk and what else did I get? Uh, some toothpaste because we're running low on that. And then I went to Best Buy because I needed, you know, those they're compressed cans of air that you can spray into electronics to try to get the dust out. And so I was looking everywhere at Walmart. They didn't have it, but I saw they had three cans left at Best Buy. So I went there, got the compressed air can, and sprayed it inside my PS4 that I said was having some trouble a couple days ago. And so I'm hoping that'll keep it from overheating. A lot of the dust flew out, but I don't know if I got it quite good enough. But I also was kind of afraid I'd break it. But it seems to be doing okay. I fired it up, and it's just an overheating problem, and hopefully it won't prevent me from doing some streaming of MLB The Show after I mentioned on the podcast that I had bought the, the new version of the baseball game for PS4. So that's what I was doing. I was just getting a few things today. I did not buy any alcoholic beverages, but I do feel compelled every time, and it, it runs through the back of my head. It's like, do we need it? No, but in two days, might we need it if we find out that we won't be able to access it for another week? Maybe. But the good news is, in the state of Missouri anyway, essentials are, you know, the grocery store, like Walmart, I assume other grocery stores as well would be considered essentials. And so they're, they're going to stay open throughout this whole thing, even when everything else inevitably shuts down. And so in Missouri, they sell 
alcohol at Walmart. Not just beer and wine, but actual liquor. When I lived in Texas, that is not the case, and it's not the case in some other states as well. I know a friend of mine in New Jersey, you know, you got to go to a separate liquor store to get that stuff. At least in Missouri, they've got they've got the essentials where the essentials belong. So don't know what it says about me that every time I go to the grocery store, I at least think about strolling through the, the liquor section, but I don't do it every time. So I am showing some restraint. But I say all this because we're talking about Illinois doing the shelter in place. I believe they're the third state to enact that. I don't think they'll be the last state to enact that. So I think we haven't gotten to the the eye of the hurricane or the peak of this thing yet. And so it'll be maybe several more days or maybe potentially a week or more, multiple weeks before we get to what I would consider, okay, now we're in the worst of it. And from here, it's going to start to ease up and decline a little bit. Um, But you're going to have to wait for the peak of it and then it starts to get better and then clear most signs of, of new infections and things like that. I think before they're going to be willing to start baseball back up again, you know, before, I don't know what the exact date as of right now of the president's in the CDC's guidelines of no gatherings of, I think it's down to 10 or more people. So however long that lasts, but that's just like the plan for now that can always change and be prolonged. And so back when it was only 50 people, you know, you could at least have 50 people in a gathering, but no more. That even was not going to to jibe with the baseball season because there's now 52 people on a baseball roster. That doesn't include coaches or, you know, personnel on site, umpires. So a baseball game couldn't be played under that and certainly not under the, the limitations of no gatherings of 10 or more people in the same place. I mean, that you could barely do a wiffle ball game with that amount of people. So that's why I'm talking about this because I feel like, all right, it's going to be a little while. And so that's why I would take June in a heartbeat. It could end up being July. And then you're like, well, that's like more than half the season gone. What's, you know, what's the, the protocol there? Who knows what it's going to be? But from a perspective of I, this is I'm finally getting around to the point. I know it takes me some time. You just kind of have to buckle in and, and hold on for the ride. The point I'm trying to make is, okay, injured Cardinals, where does this stand for some of the guys that we didn't think would be with the team to start the year, and now potentially the start of the year is going to be the middle of the year, and so some of those guys might be healthy. First of all, before I dive into each individual name, there's the possibility that maybe some guys will heal, but then when they ramp up and it's a little bit too quick because you're under the gun to get the season going, if they try to shorten that new spring training more than, you know, if they call it two weeks, like that doesn't seem like a a lot of time. I'm thinking closer to three weeks would make a lot of sense, but it's hard to tell. You're probably still going to have a rash of injuries regardless. And so while some guys will heal, others may experience new injuries because of it. And that's going to be brutal to watch if that is the case. But guy that pops into my mind first is Miles Michael. Is he was supposed to have started throwing at least casually by now. And so he's probably doing that at somewhere on some level. We don't have a lot of communication with the team to know right now, but try to get involved in conference calls or whatever when they happen. But if Michael is, you know, that PRP injection worked for him and he's able to kind of ramp back up, potentially you could you could see him be ready, I, I would think. This is all just kind of going to be speculation based on what we already knew, but you could see him be ready for whenever the season begins, which could create an interesting roster situation for the Cardinals because we had kind of been counting on the rotation being Flaherty, Hudson, uh, Adam Wainwright, Carlos Martinez, Kwon Young Kim. At least I had been. A lot of people pushing Kim to the bullpen. 
Ponce de Leon in the rotation. I think Ponce de Leon in the rotation would be great. I don't think there's any reason to push Kim to the bullpen. It doesn't make any sense to me, but that doesn't mean they won't do it. Carlos Martinez, as a reliever the last two years, didn't really make a lot of sense to me either, but I know there were extenuating circumstances, I suppose, that that created that situation. With Kim, I don't have any reason to believe that there are, but everybody just seems to be talking like, yeah, you know, Kim out of the bullpen. I don't get it, but you know, they, they said they would let him have a chance to be a starter. Let him start. He He's done well in spring training. I think he'll be, especially in year one, it'll be an adjustment for the hitters more so than for the pitcher to try and figure out what he's doing, a guy they've never seen before and has a distinctive throwing style. I'd want him out there for as many innings as possible. I don't care about who the left-handed reliever is. That's not as important of a role as a starting pitcher. It's just not. Um, you know, this is the same conversation I had about Carlos Martinez when he was the closer and then middle of last season they talked about well maybe he could move back to the rotation and people were saying it's too late in the year to move Carlos back to the rotation but then Moselak goes on a radio show and says you know we were considering moving him back to the rotation but then Jordan Hicks got hurt so we really needed a closer and I said well that doesn't make any sense closer is not as important of a role as starter it's not and you've got other guys that could close so the situation with Kim, I don't think there's any injury to be worried about the way there was with Carlos Martinez, that shoulder that he'd been dealing with. They were trying to limit kind of his overexposure to the number of innings that he could throw. And so that's fine. But I don't know that there's any reason to do that with Kim. I'd like to see him in the rotation. But if you got Michael is coming back too, then suddenly you you do legitimately have six guys that expect to be in the rotation for only five spots. And that's not even counting Ponce de Leon or Gomber. So we'll see whenever they do fire things up and how it'll, it'll be pretty evident pretty quickly how Mike Schultz goes about divvying up those innings in the, the quote-unquote fake spring training. And you'll get an idea for who he plans to have in the starting roles based on that. But, you know, as of right now, if a guy like Michaelis comes back, he's certainly the expectation would be that he'd be in line for an opportunity there. So we'll have to wait on an update for him. It could be that the PRP didn't work and he's going to be out for longer. You know, that's certainly a possibility, but uh, if he's healthy and good to go, I'd have to think he'd be in the rotation. So that could create kind of the same problem that we entered spring training talking about who's going to be in that starting rotation of, of the six names that are legitimately viable candidates before even getting to the guys that are viable candidates because of what they've done this spring. Talking about Ponce and, and Gomber. Uh, Andrew Miller is another name. Who knows? He would have started on the, the IL more likely than not, but I, I don't know any updates on what his status is, but certainly the time would seem to be a good thing for him. Um, and it could be that his injury, they just it just snaps out of it and figures it out, and then it wouldn't need that much of a, a revamp time and be able to be fine. Uh, Brett Cecil had the hamstring. I don't think hamstrings are... You know, that's a that's a tricky injury, and so he I wouldn't be surprised if Cecil even regardless of of the health of the hamstring, they're going to be able to say, yeah, we're going to start him on the injured list no matter when the season begins and option him to the minors for some rehab games because he's a guy that hasn't pitched much. He didn't pitch at all last year, and so you just got to get him innings on on a stage that is not going to cost you wins where wins are going to be not only hard to come by, but they're going to be even more meaningful. You talk about a pennant race when there's only 130 games or 100 games instead of 162 Every every game is going to to count a lot more. Like you think about an NFL season when you have 16 games, and now I guess 17 is what they'll have next year because they expanded that and expanded the playoffs. But the games are so meaningful because there aren't very many of them. This will be the case in baseball to a 
lesser degree, because we're not talking about a 16-game season, but if you have an 81-game season or a 100-game season, 120 games, whatever it ends up being, I don't. there's no way in the world they're going to play 162 games. I don't care what they say. Unless they play doubleheaders every day, there is no way. And so they, they can keep talking about that, but it's not going to happen. And so you're talking about playing fewer games and having the games, you know, definitely mean more individually. So you you can't afford to not have your best roster out there. And if Brett Cecil has a pitch in a year and you're not sure about his status, you're not going to start him in, in the majors, you're, especially when you've got this injury that you can say, well, you know, it's plausible deniability, whatever. I mean, even if it's healthy, you're going to say, we're going to need him to prove that it's healthy in a more prolonged stretch of games in the minors, whether he wants to or not. I think that's going to have to be the case with Cecil. Uh, other injuries, don't have to talk about Jairo Munoz because he's not on the team anymore, but he had the hamstring. I should think this time off should be nothing but positive for Brad Miller, you know, Matt Carpenter, who was who was back in the lineup, but dealing still on and off with the back situation. So just hopefully those guys are taking good care of themselves and be able to be ready to go. Uh, unless the Brad Miller back stiffness was really more than, than was let on, then that could potentially turn into something. But I feel like, again, talking about time off, it, it's, it's going to be a positive. And then the big one is Jordan Hicks, because the talk was that he could rejoin the team maybe in July. Like they said, midseason, there never has been a firm target date. And he's doing rehab anyway until he'd be able to throw in rehab games, which doesn't happen until right before the very, you know, the very tip of being able to come back and, and contribute to the big club. He'd be doing the same rehab stuff, I would imagine, under the coronavirus situation than, as he would be if, if things were operating normally. So maybe the best situation for him, because his timeline gets, you, you get a lot chopped off of the games that he won't be able to participate in. Wouldn't have been there for April, wouldn't have been there for May anyway. Probably wouldn't have been there for June, but could have maybe started some rehab games by June. And that could still be the case. If if baseball starts back up in June and rehab games are going, maybe he'll be ready not too long after they start back up to pitch. And you can start filtering him into some of those minor league games and maybe you get him back by July. That'll be a that'll be a huge boost because you just look at percentage of the season, you say, Okay, we expected to have Jordan Hicks for fifty percent of the baseball season, but now we actually get him for eighty three percent or whatever it ends up being, seventy five percent. So certainly from an injury standpoint, I think that's a, a benefit to the Cardinals, but you know, it's still going to be too early to tell. He's got the hurdles that he's got to pass through, but um, seeing him down in spring, and he, if anything, he was just disappointed that he wasn't able to participate on the level that he that he wants to. That's got to be a weird feeling when you feel like your peak physical fitness, you're healthy, but it's just you're a pitcher, and so that that ligament, that elbow, that arm is is what matters most, and you've got to give it time to heal. And so uh, he just wasn't able to participate in some of the drills and you know the PFP competition. He was disappointed that they had to sit him out of that, even though he was saying, I could do all the drills. I, I do all these drills every day. But the ones that you have to, they integrate a little bit of extra throwing into those contests and stuff like that, uh, he was would not be able to participate in those. So they held him out. But Jordan Hicks hopefully will be back by, you know, I, again, I, it's hard to say when, but if it's early July, that may not be much after the, the regular season gets started again. So that'd be certainly a boost for the Cardinals. So that's kind of how I see things from an injury perspective for the Cardinals. If I missed anybody who's hurt and you'd like to hear my thoughts on that player and how this timeline could affect them, just let me know on Twitter at bshafer12. As usual, I'm taking a look at Twitter right now. And another thing, baseball-related, funny on Twitter that I've seen in the last couple of days, uh, Mark Kerrig for The Athletic tweeted, Long before social distancing, I once interviewed Ron Washington in the visitor's manager's office at Yankee Stadium. We each had a heater. Those were the days, you guys.
And I am not a not a smoker, not familiar, but I've got my resident expert, Chris Gardner. He's CWG18 on Twitter, and he is uh, big in advocating for the smoking community. He retweeted Mark's tweet and said, talk about jealous, because for one, he's a big Ron Washington guy. And Chris says, I do know that Ron is a Winston man. I'm a Newport boy. Hashtag smoke him if you got him. So cigarette talk becoming an active part of the Twitter discourse over the last couple of days. And I think it started with this tweet from Dan Heron, who is a really good follow on Twitter. His handle is uh, at iThrow88. So kind of a play on his lack of velocity back in his playing days. But he said one of the, and this was uh, about 22 hours ago, one time with the Dodgers, I was struggling and decided to rip a cigarette during the anthem in between my warmups. Gave up one hit and turned my season around. No, I did not continue to smoke. It was just a good luck heater. So I think heater is the terminology. Again, call me a prude, but they're talking about cigarettes here. And so cigarette talk, I know that makes Chris Gardner happy as uh, he's he's big on you know supporting the smokers. He's big on anti-bike lane. He's pro-bullpen cart. Chris Gardner, my good buddy, has got a lot going on. So he finds a way, as all of us must in this time without sports, to to make do and still have things to talk about. So that's some of the action from Twitter. From the baseball world over the last couple of days, we have resorted to cigarette talk. In the NFL world, kind of fun, uh, if you care about football, Tom Brady, now Tampa Bay Buccaneer. We talked with Joe Hudson about that earlier in the week, former Cardinal. Scroll back on the podcast wherever you follow him, if it's Spotify, if it's Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Take a scroll back, listen to the Joe Hudson interview. That was a lot of fun to do that with uh, the former Cardinal, current Seattle Mariner, early this week. And so that's on there if you missed it. But with Joe, we talked about he's a Tampa Bay Bucks fan. Tom Brady now going to the Buccaneers. More news dropping on Friday that Todd Gurley, who had been released by the Rams after you know they signed him to that massive contract, and then they it was as a cap casualty they release him. Even though I think he can still play, they managed his his knee pretty well last year. He was pretty effective. He'll be the lead man now in Atlanta for the Falcons, signing a one year contract with them. I'm still a big Todd Gurley fan, I, and I know. A lot of you don't care about the NFL anymore, but for those that do, you know, I, I'm excited to see Gurley go somewhere that's not the Rams because I always wanted to root for him. I wanted to root for the guys that were there in St. Louis. I still root for Aaron Donald. You know, Greg Zerline was there last year. Johnny Hecker, their punter, is great. And so, you know, you root for some of those guys that you, you cheered for when they were in St. Louis. Obviously, after they leave, you're, you're probably not a Rams fan anymore, and neither am I. But I'm happy Todd Gurley's getting out of Los Angeles. He can go to a team that that I that I already have a soft spot for and like to support. And so Todd Gurley, he'll replace Devontae Freeman. I guess he's a free agent in Atlanta. And so Gurley to the Falcons. And then Melvin Gordon, another running back, went from the Chargers to the Denver Broncos. So he'll be there with Drew Locke, who I have to think, the Mizzou quarterback, will be the starter coming into the year for Denver next year. I can't believe they took as long as they did last year to to put him in. And, you know, I was a guy that when he was in college, I, you know, I'm I'm not going to pretend I was all Drew Locke is going to be a superstar at the next level when I wasn't because my concern was I knew he had all the tools, but would his decision-making stack up at the next level? Because sometimes I, I, you know, I thought he'd make these throws that I just, I I wasn't sure the decision-making was quite on the NFL level. Clearly I was wrong. He had a really great first season once they put him in there in Denver. And I love to root for the guy. I, I just was 
you know, a little pessimistic over whether it would work. Clearly it's working, which I couldn't be happier about. And so for the Broncos, Drew Locke will hopefully get that shot. I think they've already released Joe Flacco, so Locke is obviously the main contender going into the next season for that job. And you'll have Melvin Gordon behind him along with Philip Lindsay in that backfield. I don't know what will happen to Royce Freeman. I'm a big fantasy football guy, so when I talk about football here a little bit, Royce Freeman's a name that each of the last two years, he was a rookie two years ago and then was supposed to make the big step last year and really hasn't caught on on super fire the way you'd like to see a guy do for fantasy football purposes. But maybe he'll get traded to another team now that he's the third running back in that backfield with Melvin Gordon, who I read had a better offer from another team, but he wanted to go to Denver so he could play against the Chargers uh, twice per season. Yeah, no bitterness there about the fact that he held out last year and they never did pay him the big contract that he was looking for. Um, I think it's only a one-year deal for Melvin Gordon, too. I think you're going to see running backs in the NFL go the way of the entire market in baseball, talking about guys who are veteran players who are still pretty productive players, but you don't know for how long they're going to be. And running back has always been a pretty short-lived position in the NFL. The shelf life is just not there for, for guys. Todd Gurley is 25, and we're treating him like he's an old man at this point because he's been in the league a few years, and he's got a lot of carries, a lot of touches on his body, has the knee issues. And so Melvin Gordon is just – is just he became a free agent at the wrong time. And even Todd Gurley signed that big contract, but it, it doesn't mean anything except for what they give you in the signing bonus because they can always cut you later, and they don't have to pay you the whole thing. That's why for everything we talk about baseball, the issues with – the way they structure salaries and contracts, and they're not willing to give you a lengthy contract in free agency unless you're a younger guy. And even still, like Marcelo Zuna at 28 only got the one-year deal because teams are just more aware of, of what they can get for talent on the cheap rather than have to pay up for guys. And so in the NFL, I think you're just going to see running backs, front offices are going to wise up to the fact that while it's an important position and it's great to have a great one, you also, I don't want to use the phrase dime a dozen, but I do think they're more replaceable as long as you get somebody athletic and, and you know talented back there. There's a lot of those kinds of players floating around, and so I don't think you're going to see running backs get paid. Um, and that's not necessarily a hot take, but I think it's going to get even worse to where you're talking about one-year deals. Like the, the Cowboys with Ezekiel Elliott, St. Louis product, they gave him the big contract. They're not going to keep him for that whole contract. There's no way. They're going to they're gonna cut him at some point the same way the Rams just cut Todd Gurley. So my little NFL thoughts for the day, that's all I've really got for today's show. Uh, we're wrapping up the cereal bracket on Twitter, though. It's Friday, and on Friday morning I posted a 24-hour poll. So if you hear this episode later on Friday or early Saturday morning, you should still be able to get your votes in. Go to my Twitter, at bshafer12, and scroll down to you see the poll questions. Because, Or you can just search hashtag cereal bracket. I, I put that hashtag on every poll I do. We're into the Elite Eight right now. We've got cereals like Cinnamon Toast Crunch, uh, Apple Jacks, Fruit Loops. We've got, you know, a lot of the heavy hitters still remain. I think Frosted Flakes found its way uh, into this as well. The only one seed to have been defeated so far was Honey Nut Cheerios losing in the last round to Cap'n Crunch. So... It's it's all the heavyweights at this point in time. So get your votes in. Hashtag Serial Bracket on Twitter. Find the polls at bshafer12. And we'll do the final four probably this weekend. We'll have a champion hopefully by Monday. And that's maybe when I'll really start to dive into the sitcom bracket that I've been talking about. I posted the restaurant bracket. I'm not sure if I'll do the polls for that. It would be kind of fun. But I think more fun than that would be to go into a sitcom bracket because... There are a lot of good sitcoms out there, and people are very, very fervently supporting their favorites when we talked about this on Twitter. So my plan 
whittle down the list of 80 or 85 sitcoms that I have so far. I'm not including cartoons. It's got to be a half-hour sitcom or kind of the rules that I'm going by airing in that, you know, the 22-minute range with plus commercials. And so if you've got sitcoms that you like that you haven't, you know, you're worried would miss the bracket because somebody forgot about them, you got to tweet at me and say, hey, here's the sitcom that you got to have in the bracket. And I'll try to do my best and post that. And that'll be probably what we do after the serial situation. But for now, we're going to let you go. I'm going to take the weekend. I don't know that there will be much to podcast about over the weekend, but I do plan to do some MLB The Show potentially. And so if you like that world, if you like the uh, the Twitch streaming, uh, if you do Twitch, find me on there. I believe my username is bombsquad underscore 70, bombsquad underscore 70. So check that out if you're interested in it. And I'll, of course, post it all on Twitter so you can find that at bshafer12. But until next time, which is looking like Monday, this has been B-Shape Daily, and I will talk to you later.